I can remember it like if it was yesterday. My little nine-year-old heart was so moved by the preacher of a church my mom and I attended in Orlando, Florida. His charisma, the intense look in his eyes, the energy, the power, and the anointing that you could feel in that room was incredible. I remember sitting there looking up at him and something inside of me said to me that one day I would do what he was doing. During those early years, I also discovered that I had a passion for music and began to uncover some of those hidden talents. But as the years went by throughout my upbringing, I decided that I would have no plans on going to college or to build a career or a business. My entire life revolved around church and ministry. From a young age, people began to look up to me for spiritual guidance. They would join my house group and come to church with us. And it, I'm not talking about just two or three people. I'm saying I would draw just groups of people to come and join. My spiritual practice during that time was composed of hours and hours locked in my room, praying, meditating, and reading the Bible. I would wake up at 4 a.m. to pray until the sun rose. And some mornings I would walk around that same time to church for morning prayer. I dedicated my entire youth to God and to ministry. And while I have some unexplainable, miraculous experiences growing up and some wonderful memories, I am aware of the good and the bad that simultaneously develop together in my life. I began to develop this superhero complex. I had to always be the hero in other people's lives. I had to make sure I always kept my ducks in a row, no room for errors. Everything had to be perfect. I couldn't talk, walk, or look like any one of my peers in school or church. I always had to be better and extremely hyper-spiritual about everything. I was the mentor, the one that had to have it all together. I didn't have friends, I had disciples. I didn't have family, I had ministry. And I slowly began to view everyone through this condescending perspective because that's what was modeled to me. Without realizing it, I was also taught how to lie, how to be dishonest about myself and to other people, how to numb my feelings about everything and to submit, or as they like to say, die to self. Uh, do as I was told and follow the path that was already set before me so that I could succeed in becoming the pastor that I felt I was called to be. Later on in future episodes, I will take more time to share more details about my upbringing. December 21st, 2012 was my final night in Orlando. We had been moving everything to Tampa throughout that month. And though I felt certainty that ministry would remain in my future, I was uncertain as to how that would occur in this new city. During the early years of living in Tampa, I went through some pretty terrible experiences with pastors and church leaders. We had helped plant a church whose name I will abbreviate to ERJ, if you know, you know. But while we were there, we experienced an incredibly hostile church environment that included public shaming and calling out random altercations in the halls and the doors of the church, outlandish accusations about me, my family, and other churchgoers. And all of this was coming from the pastors themselves. It was a pretty intense situation. Uh, I was accused of being demon-possessed and that whenever I would lay hands on other people that they would get possessed along with me. I was called a bastard, stubborn, rebellious, and in need of deliverance. 
When you would ask them why they said those things, their answer was that they perceived and discerned that our previous pastors, who were our pastors for years in Orlando, didn't do a good job at ministering and setting us free. I was taken into a private one-on-one deliverance session, which if you don't know what that is, it's similar to what Catholics call an exorcism. Uh, There I was asked a load of intimate questions about my life, about my family. I was told that if I wasn't open and honest about every detail, that I would never truly be free or healed and that this would affect my family and future generations. I was told not to share that conversation by the pastor with my mom because in the U.S. I was covered under the Constitution to keep it private. I don't even know. Look, I know that it all sounds silly, but when you're young, naive, and all you've known is church life, this stuff can take a toll on you in the future. And it really, it was all a tactic to control and manipulate and to perhaps turn me into one of his minions, just like he was doing with everyone else. The end of my time at that church involved an argument uh, outside of our home. I was accused of trying to divide the church, even though I was the one bringing all of the people to this church. And during that argument, his hand was raised. He was getting ready to hit me. And luckily, my mom intervened in the situation. And it was right there and then that we settled uh, that it was time for us to move on. For about two years after that, we sought for a church along with people who had seen what had occurred. And time and time again, we kept coming across spaces in which church politics, strife, and ongoing discord between members kept drawing us away until one day, While I was in the middle of considering to move away to California, we entered in through the doors of a community we considered an oasis called Legacy Church, where we experienced a lot of healing, forgiveness, and rest. Fast forward to 2017, while attending School of Ministry and leading the young adults group called Vibe, I felt a call to plant a house group in North Tampa called Revival House. Now, Revival House went on for about two years. It was a small community of friends who gathered with no specific agenda other than to worship through songs, fellowships, study scripture, and do life together. And later on, Revival House merged with Legacy Church and was later renamed Emerge Church, which if you missed the first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, especially because I talk about Emerge Church and it sets the stage for this second episode. Growing up, I valued my spiritual journey over everything else in my life. I disconnected myself from friends and family because I truly felt that nothing was more important, nothing mattered as much as my spiritual life. And though I still value my relationship to God, I have realized that I neglected so much of my own personal development and so many relationships along the way. While I live without regret, my intention in the next few minutes is to be as raw and transparent with you as I can be. Growing up from as young as around four to five years old, I noticed that I was attracted to people of the same sex. Are you homosexual? A what? A homosexual. What's that? Later on, while living in Florida, I went to church retreats and private inner healing and deliverance sessions to figure out how to get rid of it or to overcome it. There were times in which I willingly did this and times in which I was forced to do it. Someone said, you're gay. Yeah, I am very happy. That's what gay means, by the way. There's two different meanings. Now, very few people had ever heard me speak about this because 
Every time I ever opened up about it with anyone, it always came back to bite me in the backside. On one occasion, I had opened up to one of my best friends at the time about it, who would later on go and share it with a group of pastors and leaders all throughout the Latino church community in Tampa. Bro, that's still gay. No, you're gay. You're, he's gay. I'm not gay. But added their own twist to the story and would make false claims that we would host home groups in order to lure people into a covenant and sexually exploit them. Um, child. Anyway, so that's weird. Which later on, we had other leaders intervene and were very close to involving the law. But I share that because if you've known me for a long time and never knew this about me, well, it's because I never felt safe enough to talk about it. I was never truly sure who I could trust and who I could go to. The people who I thought were trustworthy always ended up turning my story against me. Now, it wasn't until my preteen years that during a retreat, someone began to explain topics regarding to sexuality, and that was my introduction to evangelical purity culture. That was when I was taught that homosexuality was a demonic spirit that you war and pray against and that you had to be delivered of. I was also told that the reason why this occurs in people's lives is either because they were violated when they were young, or it was a generational curse that was passed down that needed to be broken. And I did everything I was told to do. After that, throughout my youth, I never pursued anything sexual nor engaged in dating with any gender, even though I had little crushes here and there. Uh, I decided that I would wait until I had graduated to marry a wife and have children. Because in my mind, I planned on living what I thought was the perfect Christian life and what was expected of me. I wanted to be a pastor, and in order for me to do that, I had to make sure that my marital life was up to par. Well into my young adult life, I sought to claim and walk in my freedom. You believe that the Lord tonight has set you free? Yes, sir. Turn around and tell those people. Tell them. I'm not gay no more. I am delivered. I don't like men no more. I said I like women. Women, 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 women. I said women. I'm not gay. I would not date a man. I would not tear a purse. I would not put on makeup. I will, I will love a woman. Now listen to what, y'all praise God with him. Hold on, wait a minute. Let somebody believe God with him. finding ways to overcome what they said was a temptation. Uh, and at one point, I was utterly convinced that this was over with, even though I was just being plain delusional. Stop it! Denial is a river in Egypt! And became really good at ignoring, resisting, and suppressing everything. It wasn't until 2020 came around when we had a family member who was outed as a lesbian in our family that I began to question some things about what I believed as it pertains to homosexuality. 
I was already questioning other topics, like for example, the rapture, and discovered that within the 45,000 denominations worldwide, that there are other eschatological beliefs and that the percentage of people who believed in the rapture was a small amount in comparison to those who didn't believe in it. I discovered that the rapture teaching was developed by a man named John Darby and was later spread by a man named C.I. Schofield. But it really got popularized by Pentecostals and evangelicals alike in the U.S., especially during the rise of televangelists and during the release of the fictional storybook series called Left Behind, which was later turned into a movie featuring Nicolas Cage. The more I began to question, the more I grew hungry to study, and the more I began to realize that I was just doing and repeating what I was told to do for years without questioning. And that began to concern me. When I learned that there were about 45,000 registered Christian denominations worldwide, I began to wonder, what makes our interpretation of scripture the right one? What makes our perspective the correct one? And just as I studied the Bible and researched history and sought for answers about those topics, I decided I wanted to do the same in regards to homosexuality. Now, in the beginning, my intention was never to change my mind about what I already believed, but rather to solidify what I believed and to teach it forward in hopes I could, I guess, maybe save the gays? I had a predetermined outcome in mind, so I took what I had already known, which was that homosexuality was a demonic spirit, and all the other things that I mentioned earlier, and I searched for it throughout the Bible. To my surprise, I didn't find any of that stuff anywhere in the Bible. No, actually, I discovered that those were made-up theories and interpretations that only existed within charismatic and Pentecostal circles because other denominations approach the subject in a diversity of ways. So, there's no such thing as a gay demon anywhere in the Bible, which is a whole other conversation to have for another time because I've come across some of the craziest talks online pertaining to this from people who say they believe in sola scriptura, but then will go on to make up some crazy wild teachings on homosexuality. Like I said, that's for another time. So I began to wonder, what does the Bible say? And I entered into an about two-year journey of studying this topic and approaching it from every angle I could possibly find. It wasn't until later on that this lady shared with our church and I that she felt a reformation was coming and that perhaps it was already among us. She encouraged me afterwards to study reformations. So the next day, I sat in front of my computer and a copy of Martin Luther's 95 Thesis to the Catholic Church, which led to the Protestant Reformation, wondering what I might find. I said a short but significant prayer, and this phrase, the Reformation Project, just came into my mind. When I googled it, I found that it was a same-sex affirming movement being led by someone called Matthew Vines, who had written a book titled God and the Gay Christian. And I remember closing my laptop in sort of a panic. I was already studying and coming up to my own conclusions. And while I sat there, I was just like, God, really? Like, what? And I, I was aware that gay affirming Christians existed at that point, but I still thought that they were wrong. 
And I felt this sudden internal gentle whisper, like the one I talked about in the previous episode that said to me, do you trust me? And I felt so broken inside because I did trust God, but for the first time I was afraid to follow. I felt as if though I was going in one direction and God was pulling me toward another. And I have to pause for just a moment and say this. I shared all of this with someone recently and he asked me, how did you not lose your faith through the process? And my answer to that question is, God is the one who has led me through it. So I have no reason to lose my trust and my faith in God. Other people might not believe me as I share this and you might be watching right now thinking to yourself, I wonder what God he must have been listening to. I've been in those shoes before. I've made the same arguments that may already be arising within you. All I can do to respond to you is to say a quote that Jesus shared in the Gospel of John. I know my shepherd's voice, I trust it, and I follow it. I want to finish this episode by clarifying a part of my story that I lied about in the past. During my upbringing, like I said before, I was taught that one of the reasons why people may be gay is because they were violated as a child. And I attended a retreat once uh, in which I was told that the reason why I was going through what I was going through was because I had a female family member who had molested me multiple times growing up. And while that part of my story is true, it happened way after I had already discovered this part of myself. But during this retreat, I was convinced, I was told that if I didn't testify publicly that I would lose my deliverance or freedom and that the gay spirit would come back again. So I stood up in front of four to 500 people and I told them I was gay because I was molested by a female family member. I remember crying on stage in front of everyone because I felt embarrassed, exposed, and I knew that I was saying something that wasn't fully the truth. While there is no anim animosity with this family member, and for the most part my family is aware of what happened, I placed the blame on someone who was not at fault for something that predated those events. The reason I want to clarify this is because there are many of us who have been prescribed remedies that are absolutely terrible. They were okay with the lying, but they were not okay with the gay. And these are the kind of cultures we continue to see. They're okay with the lying and the dishonesty. They're okay with pastors who get away with grooming our youth and sexually exploiting children. They don't address the pastors who sleep around with multiple women or men in the church, who steal money and place heavy weights on their people uh, regarding finances. They think that having a monolith structure we call churches and cathedrals are much more important than making a difference within their communities. Luxury, greed, and lavish lifestyles have become the goal of many of these pastors, and the American dream is the spirit that drives them. Look, I've been behind the scenes and I've seen the things that go on and most of the people I spent years defending and emulating who were against gay people were doing horrible things behind closed doors. And I was the product of this kind of church world. It shaped me, molded me, and led me away from truly trusting God and getting to know God's voice and truly loving other people well. Now, sure, 
there were good seeds that were planted into my life during my upbringing, but I cannot move forward without pointing out the amount of work I've put into undoing the entanglement between the good parts and the bad. So I deconstructed everything I believed about homosexuality and began to relearn and to renew my mind according to what I knew God wanted me to learn. And it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. The Reformation Project, as well as books like God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines, Walking the Bridgeless Canyon by Kathy Baldock, Bible Gender Sexuality by James B. Brownson, and documentaries like Pray Away and 1946, The Mistranslation That Shifted Culture, became pivotal pieces that allowed me to dissect this topic along with many other resources that I can later share with you. In trying to find a way to help and edify that one family member's life, I found my own freedom. And it wasn't a freedom from some imaginary demon. It was freedom from the lies, the dishonesty, the toxicity, the pain, the church politics, the hatred, and the lack of tolerance for others. When I chose to trust God, remove the fake, stop the lies, and be myself, I finally discovered a peace and a rest that had never felt in my entire life. My whole life, I felt like I was running from something, and now I don't. Now I feel like I'm in green pastures rooted beside the still waters, and people's opinions and criticisms don't intimidate me anymore. I have been able to forgive, to let go, and to freely breathe again. I was so caught up in what everyone else demanded of me that I lost me, but not anymore. There are still many questions and, and there are things I do believe still and things I do not believe anymore. And I've lost friends along the way and I've gained friends along the way. One thing I know for sure is this. I know who and what I am. And I have a clearer picture of what it is that I want in my life. And those things aren't being manipulated by anyone. They're not being controlled by any outsider. I'm figuring them out on my own. And I may not have all the answers, but at least I'm free. I'm free to say that I'm growing, I'm evolving, and in my healing, I am becoming. I'm free to say that I'm not afraid anymore of the things that I once was afraid of. I'm not who I used to be, and you know what? I'm not who I'm going to be. I'm somewhere in the middle of that, and yes, the middle is uncomfortable. But this is how I get to move forward, by sharing my story, practicing vulnerability, and asking you the question, do you know who you are and what you truly want in life? Or are you just a product of your own environment? If you've enjoyed these last two episodes as I share my story and begin to practice vulnerability together with you, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this YouTube channel or to follow me on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Every episode will be available, of course. If you go through the podcast ones, it'll be audio. But if you go through YouTube, it'll be video and audio. If you enjoyed this, please feel free to like it, to share it, to comment on it. 
I'll also be going on Instagram and asking all of you, um, you know, what are some of your questions? What are some of the things that you would like for me to continue to elaborate and speak on? So be on the lookout for that. But if you don't follow me on any social media, please go search me up and give me a follow at Maxwell Cobain. That's M-A-X-W-E-L. C-O-B-A-I-N and you'll see it on the screen. It's also in the description. Thank you so much for watching. You have no idea how much it means to me when I see you watching and I hear from you and I read your feedback. It just, it means the world to me and it is really encouraging. And I hope that as I continue to do this, that it'll speak to you, it'll encourage you, maybe even challenge you and that it would bring an insight into your life that perhaps you didn't have before. So thank you.